curiosity is a big driver for us, right? Go to something that you think is lateral to your everyday, right? And maybe that's where you, you get the skill sets, uh, even in the cooking class, right? Um, maybe that skill sets are more grown outside our workplace, and then we bring them into the Welcome to the Data Bytes podcast. Appreciate you making the time to speak with us today. Thank you for coming. So for those who are listening and not watching on YouTube, um, Kassan has a really great sweatshirt, uh, PepsiCo sweatshirt on right now, and I love it so much. I'm hoping to get one myself. I, I already made a deal that I'm going to exchange a women in data sweatshirt for a PepsiCo sweatshirt. So I'm hoping that we get the opportunity to meet here in person soon. <laughs> we will do that. Yes. So currently you serve as the VP and head of global data science at PepsiCo, which this is just right up our alley for our audience being in the data science space, but also on a brand as well-known as PepsiCo. Um, I think you guys probably have one of the highest brand recognitions that there are as brands. So what, how did you get into this position? What does your career journey look like so far? So uh, I have a, a, a diverse career, right? Uh, for me, starting in, in, in economics, microeconomics, microeconometrics, quantum finance, and then entering through net revenue management uh, into what we call now data science. So I, I before coming to PepsiCo, I, I had a, an experience at a university professor, a bit of research on the side, uh, a, a historic consultant. I was working in a consulting firm on focusing on supply chain and operation, those problems. And then I had the opportunity to, as, as the strategy and transformation team in PepsiCo was, um, was, uh, being formed to be part of the chief data and analytics office, uh, to build the data science team. So, um, I started as an economist, I come from Argentina. You know, uh, one of the drivers for us to study economics is, you know, what's happening with the, with economy, right? But I always love math, solving problems, understanding problems and see how to find solutions, especially connected to, to business problems. And then, you know, the career path that sometimes look erratic or just by chance took me, uh, to a place where my first data driven project was in middle school to do the PepsiCo challenge. So actually coming to PepsiCo for me was kind of a close circle from where starting analyzing data, um, back when I was 11 years old. So, so for me, it's a, a great thing being here. Plus, if you allow me, now my kids know what they do. They relate that. And if you allow me, connect a Pepsi brother, you know, they say daddy works, you know, you know, uh, soda, chips, um, and another brands, of course, right? Uh, Love it. Yeah. Um, working for PepsiCo, do they try and get more, you know, more soda, more pubs because, because of this, or, or once they're standing there, they try to use this against you in any way. And to, to be fair, when we go out for having dinner or some places, they try to identify the, with how they have our products. If not, in case of soda, they say that we are having water, right? <laughs> so they, they're really engaged, you know, when they go to the, to the, to the store, to the supermarket, try to see where the products are, have some opinions on that. So. You know, for me, it's, uh, it's enriching where I spend a lot of time 
you know, my, my family knows what they do and, and, you know, give me feedback, you know, uh, on, on what we end up doing. So I have to ask an economics background, I think, and everyone can see the relationships between data science and economics. However, for a lot of individuals, they do still feel like there is a transition in careers, right? Mm -hmm. well, whether you're a math major, a statistics major, an economist, build those additional skills to fully transition into the field of data science. When was that first kind of aha moment that you knew you wanted to go more of the data science direction? And what did that transition look like for you? Yeah. So I started with no data problems to solve. You know, you, you try to modelize relationship with enterprises, you know, in market, microstructures markets, you know, uh, uh, optimal reaction to another actor, uh, doing a, you know, a decision. So for me, it has been always trying to understand decision-making and by that, even though you need to understand, you know, the problem that you want to solve, that means the functional use case that you want to solve, but then you need to know how to prototype, right? And that's where, you know, you are driven to quantitative methods, right? Um, to, to try to solve that, but that doesn't stop there. Because if you actually are into a good hypothesis, the data, you need to, you know, find it, sort it, you know, check the quality, check the context, check the availability over time, check, you know, the change regimen that data has. And then you want to put that in production because you want that analytical component connected to a business process with a user wants to use it. So as much you want to pick your scope from the discovery phase to actually serving something, you need to expand your methodology into not just methodology, the technology aspect also. So I think it drives you that curiosity of, you know, doing your work better and moving forward, um, takes you to, you know, expand your knowledge base, you know, by trial and error, just to be, we, we are, we are not born like this. We, we are, um, you know, we are in the mate always, you know, uh, that's why I like this field. Yes. I tell anyone who wants to get into this field, I hope that you're a lifelong learner and stay very curious because every week, especially right now, I mean, in this AI renaissance that we're having no. every week, there is something new coming out, right? So if you are with someone who just wants to learn, get your degree and then be done and work your career, this, I would say is not the field for you. You have to have that curiosity, as you mentioned. And I think we're seeing that a lot with organizations too. Not only as an individual, do we have to keep learning and growing and transforming, but also businesses, right? So PepsiCo has been around for more than 50 years, I believe, and is also going through major transformations as well. How do you define digital transformation and, wh and what does that look like today at PepsiCo? PepsiCo is a very successful company, right? And, and its ambition is to transform itself into an intelligent company. That means apart from rethinking business processes, start to include data and data driven yes. capabilities to move from reactive to proactive, whatever that means in each particular context, right? That is the, let's call it driver of what we call the digital transformation. We call it digital because there's a technology and a data enablement stone. 
but the, it's a transformation. And the transformation, as you know, you know perfectly, is driven by processes and people, right? And 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 that's the what our digital transformation started three years ago, right? Um, it's uh, it's called digital, but in the end, it's a company trying to be more uh, proactive in, in the way we operate. I think that's a great simple definition because it's something we all can relate to as an individual. I love to bring things down to an individual aspect, right? There's things in my life that have happened to me and I did not respond the best and I was very much in a reactive state, right? I think even as an individual, I want to be in a more proactive state, more of a very, you know, understanding what's coming to me and blowing to me. And I, I've never heard someone use that for digital transformation, right? To move into that proactive understand what your customers and consumers want maybe before they're even know to ask that. So one of the things I know you guys have done is create these digital hubs to support this transformation. Can you tell me a little bit more about what these look like and why you felt the need to create an actual physical location for it? Of course. So, um, as you know, well, the digital transformation is a, a multi-year journey. Right, because it has to be deployed in many market units. You know, continue improving and, and have a true impact on the on the planning and execution that every every unit does. Right, um, that invites you to have a centralized, let's call it workforce, where they put balance between you know make buy internal talent, external talent, but has to have that muscle to be a driving force from a delivery perspective. That need uh, invite us to localize this talent in particular locations, right? So I'm going to talk about Barcelona, for example. So we have a digital hub in Barcelona. It is not a digital lab. It's a digital hub. The digital transformation serves the business. The talent working in the digital transformation is at the service of the business. So we are highly connected to delivery. So the digital hubs, if you want to do delivery, you also need to take care of the talent. As you know, we, we are part of that talent pool. The digital talent, um, is a nomad, not only on countries, but on experiences, right? And sometimes takes experience for a company and then fulfills that experience in another company. So the natural, what people call natural rotation is a two, three years at best, depending on the company. You know, the job family, the location and all that. So for us is the digital hubs are the powerhouse of the talent to deliver the digital transformation in the different, you know, um, aspects. And we need to take care of that, talent, right? So we say both delivery and talent, uh, uh, and the need to be close to the business, like for Barcelona and for Dallas, as, as probably you will know in the near future. Um, uh, we are co-located with the business unit. We are in the same building because we need to learn from, from the business so we can operate better serving them. And as we learn from them, they learn from us how to shift their way of thinking, knowing that there's a, apart from their normal playbook, which is successful one. There's other place there, or maybe there's a different playbook. Uh, if you re-engineer process that will make them more successful and successful mean talent delivering their objectives by feeling that they are obtaining a high performing, you know, um, 
you know, result. So how do you create that connection between the innovation, the hub and the business? So in my experience, I worked at a company once where the business was in, you know, a tall, multi-story tall building and they put all the IT across the street in its own separate building, right? And we had the most beautiful building. We had the new innovative building and there was open workspaces. It, it, mm. it was gorgeous, but it did create, it was interesting, the actual physical separation between the business and the IT team ended up creating long-term separation, right? Between the innovation that was happening in IT, not making IT business priorities. So, I love that you've integrated these together in, in physical space, but how do you make sure as individuals, and particularly like as a data science team, that you're connected, understanding those business needs and serving those business needs to, well, at the end of the day, really serve the customer, right? Well, it's a journey, right? This is not in something that happens from day one. Imagine in the case of the data scientists that is coming from a different company, which may be in a different sector, there's a landing situation where what is working for CPG, what is working for a uh, complex and successful business like Pepsi, right? So there's a landing. But as you know, data scientists are connected to the use case. We are highly, we need to understand, you know, what are the operational KPIs, metrics, right? What is the process? What is the assist? Like, I'll give you an example. If a user to get offline information somewhere to make a decision, you're, if you understand that, your, your first question is, okay, it's offline, but is there a store somewhere? Is a way to make it available? So the data science in itself, if it's in delivery, is by default connected to, to, to the business. So in the short term, that happens, right? What is the long-term uh, move? And that's why the hubs become important. It's because we have connection to the business, not only on delivery, but on ideation, on expanding the network, uh, people knowing uh, someone that works in commercial and revenue management, someone that works in, in a factory, in, in, in a plant, in a warehouse, these people are getting exposed in different ways. With things that we call connection programs that they, you know, they gather in a lunch and they share how they ideate together. Um, these are the things that the apps allow us to do. And people are super engaged. Think about the, the hubs that are massive, especially the Barcelona one, has a massive diversity and diversity not only on, on, on gender or nationalities, but on backgrounds, right? And, and how people were educated and what they experienced. So when they come here, probably they're coming from a CPG doing finance and end up doing in this CPG commercial. So they also start cross-pollinating themselves. And then of course, with the business. So coming back to your question, it's critical for that scientists understand who we are serving. Mm. It's true that the, I'm going to give you the time, the demand forecast probably can be similar to a retailer or an aerospace and defense company, right? On the high level definition, but on the, on the precise level five designs, totally different. So maybe a modeling concept can work here, but not here. Maybe the data you used to have is totally different here. So yeah, for us, it's kind of important to, to understand what we're trying to solve. So let's say I'm an individual who, hey, I, I want to work at the PepsiCo Digital Hub in Barcelona or, or Dallas, right? And, and 
you know, when I've fallen in love with your leadership, I'm a data scientist. What are those ideal skills that you feel a data scientist in 2023 needs to have? What, what we've seen the Venn diagrams, right? A little bit math, a little bit, you know, computer skills, communication. But in your definition of someone who will be and is head of data science, what is, what does the ideal data scientist look like? I'm going to give you my personal definition. So I hope, you know, your viewers can disconstruct that and build their own and, you know, give us feedback. But for me, yes, the unicorn, let's call it unicorn, right? Uh, but they are there, right? And they're always on the build. Four key components. One, in our case, we need to understand Pepsi. The second one, we need to understand the use cases that we're solving, right? You know, we need to understand what we are solving. The final one, which everyone used to, we need to know methodology and technology, right? Doesn't need to be the state of the art. State of the art, for curiosity reasons, everyone has done IoT, you know, Arduino things at home, or you probably have something connected somewhere that you have done yourself. That's our curiosity. We have tried the latest deep learning model in, an, in a, a small, you know, nano device, you know, uh, from media. We have done, but we need to be practical. So when we talk about methodology at enterprise level or technology, we need to think scale, you know, and support systems, level free support, things like that. Right. So understanding methodology and technology key, because it's our job description, right? And the last one, which most of us sometimes put us in, I will learn that, or it's not important because people are sometimes pursuing distinguished engineer positions, right? Or be a thought leader in specific topics, communication skills. Communication skill for me is a broad term for emotional intelligence, for empathy, right? If you are coming in our case with a digital transformation and I have this eagerness to show value, right? If I'm not empathic, I'm using words from someone from the company that taught me this, right? So most of my comments are, I'm speaking for what I learned from others, right? It's, you know, um, you know, empathy. You're bringing a change. You need to be empathic to the user. How that land adoption can be oversteps or they are actually the ambassadors of that adoption. And this comes with good communication skills from um, that. Those are the four non-easy, always reinventing as you have said, you know, this iteration, but those are the four that I would see as important. I think a lot of individuals can find resources for true tools and methodologies. Where I find it's much harder is what you mentioned, and I love it, the, um, the use cases, right? Understanding the problem, the use cases, and then communication skills. If someone's looking to get better in those two areas, do you have any recommendations for either resources or things to do to start to improve? What some may call those softer skills, but in my opinion, those are harder to get than the actual yeah, hard yeah, skills. Yeah. Hey, what, what, do you, what do you use to improve in those areas or tips for individuals? I think that's a good question and I'm going to probably reply in a bad way because it's a, it's a, it's a question that I still be you know, looking my own way because as you mentioned, it's hard. I think one of the important things, uh, and some companies have it, right? Uh, this concept of a coach, right? Um, some, uh, these are sometimes embedded in an HR partner, 
doesn't need to be a coach, but someone that understands very well conflicts, you know, uh, communication. We have those in PepsiCo, right? We have uh, this, you know, we have our good, uh, you know, learning facility over these type of skills. Uh, outside, I always go first to, you know, and even a lot, you know, for me, Upsera, Udemy, Udacity, all those places have someone that has said something. Um, there's always good material on the journals from business, you know, you have Harvard Business Review. I understand this high level, but for me, it is your own, you know, um, on to, to, to bridge, you know, uh, I was, um, I give you a personal thing, you know, I started learning dancing to play better basketball, right? I was, uh, because from a movement perspective, right? So sometimes maybe to get better communication is going to the theater, going for a salsa class, playing a sport, take you out of, and this is easy to say, you know, what we call comfort zone. No. And that's where you say something perfect for me. Curiosity, curiosity is a big driver for us, right? Go to something that you think is lateral to your everyday, right? And maybe that's where you, you get the skill sets, uh, even in a cooking class, right? Um, maybe that skill sets are more grown outside our workplace and then we bring them into this. I don't know what you think, but that's the only my answer on, on that aspect. I completely agree. I, I remember when I was leading a data science team and we were having issues getting projects delivered on time, there was terrible handoffs between the data engineering team and the business analysts. Everyone was missing the handoff. And I had the opportunity to go into a kitchen and sit in the kitchen and eat while they were making, you know, multiple five course meals. And it was flawless, right? Everyone had a role. Everyone knew exactly what they were supposed to do. And I was able to take that experience and update our process for how the data science team ran. And it made it run so much more smooth, right? Now I, I should have charged that meal probably to my company. But it was one of those experiences that was, you know, had nothing to do with data science, had nothing to do with technology. It was something that I was just interested in and curious about, as you mentioned, right? Follow your bliss and who knows how you will bring that experience back into your work, right? And then going back to what you said originally, you like to find people who have these diverse backgrounds, diverse experiences. I love that you are learning. I've never thought of like learning to dance to improve basketball. But now I can see the correlations there. I think there's so much opportunity to. Just to be fair, I'm, I don't dance well and I play great basketball. Just, but at least I have those checkbox part, you know? But yeah. Yes, I think it just opens up a lot of opportunities for individuals. So, yeah. in terms of um, data science work at PepsiCo, what are some of the types of problems that you work on today? I know you mentioned the man forecasting models. You know, what, what are the types of problems someone would work on if they came into that field? So, so our team, uh, you know, is, is connected to, let's call it big buckets of work, right? We have consumer engagement, marketing, you know, omni-challenge, um, selling execution, you know, suggested order, uh, you know, understanding the, in, the, the benefit driven by, by media spend, you know, in our sales, 
understanding better the consumer, understanding better, you know, what, what's, what we need to do within a store. And, you know, you understand that from a sort of a perspective, going to a warehouse and optimize certain processes there. That's my delivery. Um, you have many things that we are shipping. For us, it's really important to understand that we are not building analytic solutions. We are building digital solutions. So we are trying to, uh, as, as a holistic team, I mean, strategy and transformation is understand the daily line of, right? Uh, a process and come up with, um, sometimes a functional solution or sometimes like a big program that we have is called integrated business planning, which is a cross-functional one, which affects both, um, supply chain, uh, commercial finance to have a joint way to do planning, come up with one plan. I mean, a business unit, right? Execute it, find the risks, the opportunities and close it together. So all those things, you know, you sound like this is a business thing. Yeah, it's a business thing. Below that is a, a prediction model, an optimization, a segmentation. When we are getting better, we start holding human decisions, right? In this season, you have a recommendation. The ambition for us is as we are well connected to the business process and you start elevating the decision-making process because you are closing the gap, right? If I come with a dashboard with a scripted information, the decision is here. The human drive knowledge closes the gap. As you are having more data variable, as you understand better the process, at least become more less offline and more dynamics that are managed within a platform, within an application, you start to close that gap. Also, the system is better equipped to support a human decision. And you allow that user to focus on the high value things with the exception, you know, having the power to say, no, I will write off this, right? You start having the sense of what you call, you know, intelligent automation. You go into that layer, you remember the classical uh, consulting, you know, value, complexity, right? You start grabbing that areas where the user is totally empowered and supported to make decisions where the tribe knowledge is scattered around the organization, supporting every The knowledge of a 20-year-old planner is available to a first-year planner to make the right decision. That's the ambition when PepsiCo said, I want to be an intelligent company. I want to move to practice. So it's empowering the talent to be, you know, more assertive on their decision. It's all connected. We're just a small piece, a good one, an important one, but of overall change. I really want to double click into what you said there and make sure our audience heard that, that it's not an analytic solution or an AI solution. I know AI right now is so very shiny and so much hype. But there's so much more to it. I love what you said. It, it's a digital solution and you're one component of an overall team. And I think, you know, when I first got into data science, it was, as you mentioned, the unicorn. It was kind of the high priestess. I felt many um, working in the space had like a little chip on their shoulder to made it into the space. But those solutions alone aren't anything unless they're part of the whole, the team, right? And those individuals who have that industry knowledge, um, the business acumen have so much to offer. I think it's just important for all of us to remember that we are one piece of the whole that make it. So one of the things I know that's important as, as a part of the whole at PepsiCo in, in your team, you've mentioned it a couple of times is 
just how important diversity is in building these analytical solutions. Can you just tell us a little bit more about why you feel this is essential as a component of the solution? So let me enter into the component, right? Let's call it intelligent system, you know, analytic component, AI, uh, you know, AI system. Um, as you build that, you know, we, we know typical biases, right? You have the developer bias that is probably coming from a sector, from a different, you know, industry, a different company, you know, had done this before, which, you know, by repetition, you start creating, you know, the, the, the success bias, right? The, you have always done it like this. So, um, then you have the stakeholder bias, you know, especially if you're doing a shift of how that person should operate, you have, yeah, but this is always been the reason or the driver of, or my leader, right? So these are biases that are there when you build something. Diversity, diversity has many aspects, right? Um, help us catch with that. If you don't have a process, right? When you have a process, you know, uh, you build diversity into the process, so it's replicable the basis, but you don't have diversity. So diversity has a principle of unbiasing the biases that are there. And we are not able to recognize ourselves because we all have that. And we are improving ourselves, you know, but again, sometimes there's always blind spots and it's a way to hedge that either by nationalities because from some different cultures, either by backgrounds because some study marine biology, other one software engineer, other one sociology, right? Because come from different industries, because they have different gender. Um, those are hedges to come up with solutions that overall try to be unbiased. And when you have the process, like we have in PepsiCo, we have a, a bias mitigation framework, right? To, to work on this, um, then it's more easy because you can deploy this in places that you don't have diversity and at least it's a, it's a proxy to that. Yes, I couldn't agree more that diversity really makes the whole strong. It it reminds me of sequoia trees in California. So I don't know if you have the opportunity. The sequoia trees live over yeah. hundreds and hundreds of years. They're massive, right? And I was so, I got to see them and I was so interested in like, how did they do this, right? How did they go so strong and stand the test of time, right? And when I come to buying out and they, they have an integrated root system and share resources between one another. And because of this integration with one another and the ability to share resources, when one is weak, another is strong. Um, as you mentioned, you know, we may have unconscious bias ourselves and we need those others to refine us, to provide a new way of speaking. And so I love diverse teams because I think that the stronger our teams are, or the more diverse they are. So that hopefully one day we can all grow into be those sequoia trees that I do love so much. We will. Yes. <laughs> well, so this has been a fantastic time. I do love to ask people just a few rapid fire questions. So are you ready for a few rapid fire questions? I hope I will be better at the answers. Yeah, go ahead. All right. Happiness is fill in the blank. It's super personal. So I want to say for me, happiness is having seen my kids grow and see how they develop themselves in the way that they want, but there's 
such joy for me seeing how they, they grow and come out with different things, different line of thoughts. So that will be my, my definition of happiness, seeing them grow. In the next five years, I hope to. One is be healthy and happy. The, the other one is that we, we, we continue transforming the company uh, all together, uh, you know, in, and make it continue making the company successful. So that's, that's my five-year goal for, for me in the company. Oh, but you have some good work-life balance, go a little personal, a little work. It's, yeah, it's, uh, you know, for, for me, it's, it's, uh, yeah, when things are good, you know, and I'm, Reaching is hard to separate, you know, it's, uh, you know, my, my kids, so personal story, uh, my previous company, my kids come to the office, you know, um, you know, and uh, my kids are part of, of, you know, uh, for me, it was important and it's important that they know with who I work. Uh, that's a blend that for me has been successful. Integrated life. I love it. Yeah. Now, the last question to me, curiosity is. I think I already gave you the answer. It's a massive driving force. A one that people live on the side, but uh, because of the phrase, you know, curiosity killed the cat, right? Um, I think it's a massive driving force. And I hope, uh, you know, your work and, and the work of fathers in your institution are, are driving that in, in many colleagues that want to reskill or upskill or shift careers. Well, what a great way to end this episode again. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. I, I want to sign up to be part of the data science team of PepsiCo. So hopefully, you know, we'll be there soon. Um, any last words before we wrap up today? I hope uh, we get a lot of feedback and connections from this podcast and hope to see you in Barcelona with your team and, and, and enjoy a, a good session of, of your organization with us. Sounds great. Well, again, thank you to our listeners. Remember to stay curious and keep learning, and we will catch you next time on the Data Bytes podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of the Data Bytes podcast. If you're looking for more resources to further your data career or find your tribe, we encourage you to become a member at womenindata.org. See you on the other side.